This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life. Only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I have the absolute privilege to uh, interview Travis Mills. Travis, how you doing, my friend? Living that dream. Thanks for having me, and it's my privilege to be on your show. Truly honored to be uh, here. You're champion of a man. Well, you are the man, and uh, you've got quite the story, which we're going to dive into here in a little bit, And uh, but you're talking to us from Maine, is that right? That's right. I'm in Maine today, Halloween. I'm not sure if you are going to release this today, so I shouldn't have said that, so we can go back. No, that's all right. Second. That's all right. We're <laughs> recording it today on uh, on Halloween Day. You're going to be Iron Man, right? I am. I am. Iron Man, my daughter's going to be Captain Marvel or something. My wife's like Superwoman, and my son is going to be Captain America. Oh, superhero family. superhero family which you are a true american hero so uh once you before Appreciate we it. yeah man I, and i got a lot of questions on that stuff but before we dive in i want to know kind of before pre-april 10th 2012 what made travis mills the man he was up to that point well you see back in uh, 1987 my parents had their favorite child and then that's what that's what made me. We don't get birds and bees here. Right. But uh, from a small town in Michigan, played a lot of sports growing up, uh, went to college, played some football, decided that I was only there to play football, not for college. Like the aspect of college wasn't really a thing to me. Yep. So I went ahead and decided to try out the military. I went to the Army when I was 19 and um, ended up enjoying it. Had a great time and uh, met my wife after my first deployment or during my first deployment. We got married. Uh, went on a second deployment for a year, came back, had a baby, and my third deployment, I went overseas in February of 2012. February 2012. And so what was life growing up? You have, uh, obviously, you had the favorite son, so that means you had other siblings. What did mom yeah. and dad do growing up? Yeah, so um, dad worked for Nash Finch Superfoods. Um, he worked there 35 years. My mom worked in um, a grocery store that was like, they didn't want Walmart to take them over, so they just kind of put their own sporting department in. And she was a manager of that whole place, like sporting, and, and they had outdoor. They had everything that Walmart has. Okay. But it started as a grocery store. You know what I'm saying? Like they yeah, want, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she, she was manager of there. She worked there 39 years. And um, I actually I bought a, a lodge in a marina for a for-profit business that convinced my parents to move up to Maine and run that for me for a couple of years. So she quit that or retired from there. And I'm not allowed back in the store because they don't like the fact that I took my mom away for three years. That's right. Exactly. Like 39 years and you still earn like one day. Not fair. So, uh, well then on April, uh, 10th, 2012, man, you, uh, were serving our wonderful country and, uh, and once you walk us through that day. Yeah. So we got a phone call from, uh, one of the village elders that needed some help in the village. We said, yeah, no problem. Like we always did. Um, we went out like normal. We 
had our file and column. We walk in, we swept the ground. Um, every time we went out on patrol, we had a minesweeper and we swept the ground back and forth. Um, make sure it's clear. And it was marked clear by the guy with the minesweeper. He's, he swept it twice. And I put my backpack on the ground thinking I was safe. And it was a 120 pound backpack. And when it hit the ground, um, it took out my right arm, right leg automatically. And they never found those pieces of me, unfortunately. And, um, when I rolled over and I saw the aftermath of what happened, um, my medic came up to me to work on me. I told him, don't worry about it. Just go save my guys. So I had two guys got hit as well. And I didn't think I was going to make it since I seen a lot of guys go for a lot less. And um, he ignored my, my, you know, sending him away. Cause in my head, I kept two movies saving private Ryan. Hmm. And I kept seeing like um, the medic get shot in the stomach and then cry out for his mom and ultimately die. And I thought no way would I show any fear. I never did. So I decided that, you know, this was not me. The last memory of me was, was me crying out for my mom or anything like that or worried about it. So I said, go save my guys. My medic, Dan Bateson decided to work on my right side um, as fast as he could, but my platoon sergeant worked on my left side. And within like 20, 30 seconds, they had tourniquets in all four limbs uh, to clamp all the bleeding off. And my left leg was snapped to the bone. So if you can imagine your left ankle uh, bone touching your left thigh, that was happening to me. Wow. And my left arm, yeah, my left arm was actually blown out at the wrist, but I still had use of my thumb and index and middle finger. So I was able to reach up from my hand mic and call my LT and I say, six, this is four. I hit a bomb. I need your medic over here with mine. Um, I got guys injured. So he sent over his medic, Doc Voice, and Doc Voice ran over from that element and worked on the other two guys. And then he worked on me. And then they got me in a helicopter and took me into the hospital in Kandahar. And, um, when I got the can hard, I kept trying to fight the nurses off and they kept pushing me down. And I finally, they were like, Sergeant Mills, I don't know how you're still awake, but you need to go sleep right now. So they went ahead and knocked me out. And the last thing I looked at the nurse said, my little girl, am I ever going to see her again? Cause I had a six month old at home mm. and they, uh, they put me to sleep and they started to undress me. My left leg came off with my pants. And as they had my nine, my leg doctors, was already gone, already gone. So I was a triple amputee that day. And my, um, my team was of nine doctors and seven nurses, and um, I got to uh, have them work on me for 14 hours straight. Where two nurses for nine hours pump air in and out of my lungs to keep me alive. Over 400 units of blood, which was unheard of at the time. That was the most blood ever given to anybody. Like I was a, I am a positive, not blood type, but it switched to the other like O negative or whatever the universal blood is. It switched types because I had so much of someone else's blood, and then it switched back now. So I got back to a positive um yeah yeah so anyway they worked on me and my brother-in-law is in the military that's how i met my my wife and he got the phone call about what happened so he had to he didn't have to i guess well he did he flew into kandahar because when you're 19 or 18 you deploy for your first time or 17 you fill out a thing called a blue book and it's um every time you deploy you gotta fill it out and it tells um basically plan your funeral if something does happen so you talk about what do you want to be buried with, what music to play, what kind of mil funeral, military or civilian. And you also pick somebody designated that you want to escort your body home. And since they weren't sure if I was going to make it or not, they had Josh come in because if I did die, he was supposed to escort my body back to his sister and my parents. Mm. Um, yeah, so he, he made it to Kandahar, 14 hours of surgery. They got me stable but critical. Um, they flew us to Bagram, me and Josh on the 12th. Does, does your wife or parents know this is going on at this time? Yeah, they got the phone call. Yeah. You get a call yeah. saying he's been injured. Yeah. They weren't sure. About my wife got the phone call from actually a friend of mine, Captain Vierinus. And he's like, he's been injured. We don't know if he's going to make it or not. 
Um, yeah, yeah. So then my brother-in-law was giving my parents and Kelsey updates. And then I got to Bagram on April 12th, and they cut my left hand off the rest of the way because the skin had died. So it was a quadruple amputee. And two days after that, they took me to Longstool, Germany, and Josh was there as well. And um, they woke me up for the first time on the 14th of April. And when I woke up and I came to, the only person in the room was actually Josh. And I looked over at him. I said, you know, am I paralyzed? And he's, or no, first thing, actually, I said, with my soldiers, on my soldiers? And he told me, you know, Ryan's here, Brandon's back there in Kandahar. Um, they're going to be okay. You took most of the blasts. I said, okay. Then I said, you know, am I paralyzed? And he said, no, uh, you're not paralyzed. And I looked at him and said, Josh, I, I can't find fingers and toes. You can tell me the truth. And he said, hey, man, look, uh, uh, you know, you're not paralyzed, but you don't, you don't have your fingers and toes anymore. I said, oh. And then for like three hours, I ignored everybody. I didn't want to have conversation. I didn't want to talk to the doctors and nurses and Josh. And, and they try, and I would ignore them because I was in my head, right? I was like, am I a bad person? You know, does God hate me? What would I do wrong in life? You know, how can I be a, you know, still be a husband and a father? And, you know, the biggest question was why, why not just die? Like, how, how is this better, you know? And um, finally, you know, Josh chimed in about three hours into me being conscious and was like, hey, look, I'm not pretending like I know what you're going through, but you're going to have to call, you know, your parents and your wife. And I said, yeah, I got you. So he called my, my wife and I talked to Kelsey and I said, hey, what's up? Fine. Love you. Bye. You know, I didn't want to deal with it and talk right. about it. And, you know, it wasn't it wasn't time. You didn't for me even to tell her you had quadruple. Well, she no, she knew. Josh okay. was giving her up. I just didn't want to have a conversation about what's next in my life, you know. Right, right. And um. And then uh, I know we're recording. Chloe, if you're out the side there, go away. <laughs> Chloe. Chloe, go. I can see your shadow. All right. Oh, she hasn't really heard that in detail story. Um, <laughs> but but uh, anyway, so so I called my parents, same thing, basically. Kind of apologized. But, you know, I felt like I embarrassed uh, myself and the Taliban got me and but before I hung up, you know, because I don't want to have a long conversation, my mom said, hey, Travis, happy birthday. Because it was my 25th birthday that day hmm. that I had woken up. And then three days later, I got to Walter Reed in Bethesda, Maryland. And Kelsey came up to me to see me. And, and you think it's like that heartfelt hug and love me forever. And actually, she walked up and the doctors gave her a clipboard and said, Mrs. Mills, his right leg has ripped open. His sutures have split. Um, he needs to have two inches taken off his right leg. But we can't do it without your consent. You're his medical care provider now. And we need you to sign right here for us to do the surgery. So imagine being 23, walking up to your 25-year-old husband, and you get a clipboard saying, we have to hack two inches off your husband's right leg. And then she has to sign it. So she, she signed it. And then the next day she came in and I told her, you know, you don't got to do this. You might as well take what we have, house, cars, money saved up, whatever. It's yours. Financially, whatever I can do for you, I will. For the rest of your life, as long as I live. And this isn't the burden I would ever want put on you or anybody. And she's like, that's not how this works, you know. Um, and, and she said, we're going to get through this together. So then it was uh, kind of up to, up to me having my daughter and my wife sit there, my mom and dad there. My, uh, my sister and brother came in. I'm really close to my sister and brother. Um, my in-laws, brother-in-law, other people, you know, it's up to me, though, to get better. Because now that I know they're not leaving me, even though I told them, hey, look, this is awful. You don't got to do this. Um, I have a, the will to fight because, you know, my daughter's six months old and uh, I got to be there for her. My wife is 23 and decides instead of taking off, like I told her, you should right. just go. She stays. And um, I was at Walter Reed, which is the best facility ever to recover at. 
And I just, I couldn't wait to dive into recovery. I couldn't wait to get better. I mean, there was a point where I was in such bad pain, they put me in a medical induced coma and gave me um, ketamine, 600 milligrams of ketamine an hour for five days straight to reset my nerves, my brain to think my nerves end where my arm, my legs end, my arms and legs end. So it doesn't, that phantom limb pain. Yeah. Yeah. So the phantom limb pain isn't like a real thing for me. Um, I don't have any pain now because that's a procedure. But I woke up and I got to go outside for the first time. And I was like, oh, I get to go outside. And they're, was, they always let you ring a bell for the first time outside. And I said, I get to go outside for the first time. And uh, I said, we get to ring the bell. And I said, Travis, you've already been outside. And I forgot two weeks before, like, my ketamine coma, I got to go outside. I, I mean, I forgot a whole, like, week or two of my life because of this ketamine coma. And um, I, got, uh, I got so weak at one point, I couldn't roll right or left or sit up by myself. Cause I went from 250 pounds, six foot three to 140 pounds. Like I lost 110 pounds in seven days. And, um, so I, it was a real big rebuilding process. You know, I had to rebuild myself and, um, learn how to do things again. Like the basic stuff, feed yourself, dress yourself, go to the restroom by yourself. Right. Like, um, so that's, that's what Walter Reed was able to do for me. And, and I was fortunate to have people look up to, I had a guy walk in and tell me, you know, hey, look, you're going to be fine. He was a quadruple amputee. I'm the fourth, actually, out of five. And he flew in from Missouri, the second one ever, and told me, like, hey, man, you'll be okay. You're going to drive. You're going to walk. You're going to feed yourself. Everything you want to do, you're going to do. How crazy uh, was that to see somebody who'd gone before you come in there? You know, it was huge. I mean, he was married and um, Marine, got hit in Iraq, and, and wonderful guy. But you just – you have that, like, oh, wow, you're not alone. You're not the only right. one like this. Um, you know, and that's a little bit competitive, you know, it's like he got out of here in this many months, I'm going to get out sooner. He did this, I'm going to be better. And, um, you went on to the military advanced training center, which is the Matsy, and you realize there's hundred, 200 guys that have been injured this way, missing a leg, missing an arm, missing both legs, missing, you know, something. And they're all recovering. So now you got a brotherhood within the brotherhood of the military. Right. And, um, and that was, that was huge for me. And then I became the guy I really looked up to because, uh, not that I was trying to outwork anybody, but I, I did. I worked harder. Not, not harder. Everybody worked hard, but you were slated for one hour a day. But I went for two hours and then three hours and four hours um, of occupational therapy and physical therapy. I, I took my workout as my work day. So I did eight hours a day, um, five days. I did, you know, 40 hours of work a week trying to get better. And the worst part of my recovery was weekends. And, um, you know, eventually – yeah, five weeks in, I learned how to use my hand for the first time. Or not the first time. Yeah, the first time. Five weeks in, so I was feeding myself again, learning to dress myself again. Um, and with that hand there, was the, the one you have on your – I guess it's your left arm there. Is, was that put on, like, almost day one? No, no. You had, I had scars and stuff. They had to recover. Yeah. So five five weeks in. I, they wanted to get my arm, but five weeks in. And I, I wear a hand usually. I'm at my house, so I have a hook on. I didn't think we were going to be on video. So it's <laughs> just fine. I wear the hook a lot, too. Right. And then um, and then I got seven weeks in and four days, just shy of actually two months, I started walking again on really short legs. And I, I built up my core muscles and strength. And it felt like I was swinging cement bricks um, the first lap around. And then the second and the third. And the blood was pooling at the bottom. It's pretty, pretty rough. But, but you know, I, I kept driving and kept going forward. So now I have my tall legs. I'm not 6'3 anymore. They say that gravity's a real thing. And I'd be careful or whatever. But um, How I'm like tall six are you foot, now? Like six foot. Okay. I got some new legs made that are six too. They're just, they're 
they're finalizing them. So um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, get goals, right? Gotta get those. Yeah, you got to, you got to. But uh, but no, so I have, um, yeah, I uh, I learned how to walk again, and then you know eventually was able to run again. I have some running legs, and I, I, I drive, believe it or not. And uh, it took like I don't know, eighteen months, uh, nineteen months at Walter Reed to get where I was able to be released and move back home. But uh, and it's funny because. You know, I tell people life's all about, jeez, uh, the, the door just, the, wait, the, life's all about like peaks and valleys, right? Like, you know, in high school, I was Mr. Everything, football, basketball, baseball, um, top athlete, captain of all the teams. And then I got out of high school, went to college, and I was on the sidelines. And I was like, what the, no, this stuff, what right. the heck? You know, so I joined the military, and then you're at the bottom, right? You're a private. But I built myself up to be a staff sergeant and top of the game and youngest E6 in my platoon, but senior ranking because I was, you know, really good at compliments and, and brown nosing and kissing up to the first sergeant so that works but uh and then i got injured and i was like oh geez this sucks but then after meeting todd nicely and other guys i became because i was older than most of them a lot of guys get hit are younger like i mean i was only 25 but at the same time there's a lot of 18 19 20 year old privates that get yeah. hit and i would go room to room like todd did for me i went room to room for everybody that got hit um and unfortunately i still keep up talking to people i just talked to a guy that got hit two months ago he's triple amputee and um he said it was really great. The videos I do online and follow my story and that gives him hope. No, he can keep pushing forward. So okay. and that's, that's always, you know, it's encouraging. It's the same thing I was given. So I, I tried to give it back. But, um, but anyway, so, you know, after I got out of the hospital, like I was, I was on, uh, not cloud nine. I, I mean, it sucks. I got injured, but you know, you learn from the injuries and you can't change the fact of what happened. So you just push forward and you got your family looking up to you. But at the hospital, I was, I was somebody, right? Like I was a guy, everybody called on for advice and, and talked to and looked up to like I had one guy that had double leg amputations like mine, but had his hands and was afraid to step off a four inch step. And his therapist was like, Hey Travis, can you come around this time? And I said, yeah, no problem. So I showed him how to step off a step. He was hooked to a, a big system that would, if you fail, you got caught. Yeah. And, and I wasn't hooked to it at all. And I was walking off the step and he was injured, I think seven months before I was, but he just had this hang up in his head. Yeah. And his therapist was like, you realize, you're holding on to a quadruple amputee. He's like, hey, just hold my shoulder, all right? Hold my shoulder, step to the edge, and let's do this together. Because a certain technique. And she's like, you're holding on to a quadruple amputee right now, and you're a double egg, like kind of like – Talking trying trash. To, well, not, not belittling, but just like trying to make him realize the situation. Like, hey, look, you can, if he can do this, you can do this, and you right. got to understand that. So, so like I got out of the hospital, and I remember going back to my in-laws in Texas at their house in, in Frisco, and there was a picture of me up that's pretty well-known circulated picture. I have a ball cap on all my weapon and overseas. I'd taken the day before I got blown up, actually. And I broke down. I was like, who, who the heck am I now? You know, what am I going to do in life? Right. And um, I met a guy, David Ward, who helped me start working out adaptively. I, Because uh, I, I, you know, got a little big at the hospital. I'm still a little big, not going to lie to you. I got to work on that starting tomorrow. That manana diet. Tomorrow. It's always tomorrow. Yeah. After you eat all yeah. that candy tonight. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, I got to worry about that. But uh, but I started motivational speaking, which I really enjoy. And it turns out I'm, I'm pretty decent at it. So I do that for a living. Uh, about 110 days a, a year, I'm on the road. I just got back from Dallas actually yesterday, and I'm in New Hampshire tomorrow, Connecticut, and Cleveland next week. So I do quite a bit of motivational speaking. Um, my, my nonprofit, I started the Travis Mills Foundation to give back. So we bring up combat and service-connected injured veterans that have been through physical injury paralyzation, amputation, spinal cord, them and their families come to Maine for free. Yeah. Um, uh, eight families per week at this retreat center I built 
or I with with a team of people. It wasn't just me, sure. but um, we're one of the top twenty five veteran service organizations in the nation. Actually, out of forty two thousand, so we've grown to like that that magnitude. We have a four point three million dollar expansion process progress uh, project. Sorry, four point three million dollar project going on right now, which is exciting. And um, I don't know. I'm part owner of an insurance company, and I'm also I bought a marina with a buddy of mine. We were drinking whiskey one night. And I was offered to buy the business. Oh, yeah. What the hell? Yeah. And the guy was like, you should buy this. I'm like, why would I buy that? And he said, come look at the P&Ls. And I was like, I don't know what that even means, but okay, I'll check it out. And my buddy, that's my neighbor, who has an IT company and his wife's a dentist, um, I showed him the, the P&Ls, which he told me were profit and loss margins, and they were pretty good. And I was like, oh, okay. And then his wife was like, don't you guys buy that? And my wife was like, definitely don't you guys buy that. Um, so we drank some whiskey and we bought it. <laughs> Right. And then uh, I've owned that now for three years. Oh, and every there's year more business. P than L, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, me and, you know, the last three years, we've, we've definitely increased quite a bit. Um, awesome. And uh, we have plans for a cafe this summer, which is going to be the first and only place on the lake to have food. And it's going well. But anyway, what, what I guess what I'm getting at is after reestablishing myself when I got out of the military and got out of the hospital, um, I realized that I have to provide for my family, but also I have to do – what I can to, to make my life meaningful and, and have enjoyment. And then my wife and I, fortunately in August of 17, welcomed in the second child, our son Dax, and he's named after the medics that saved my life since they made it possible for me to live. Um, Daniel and Alexander, we decided to name him after them. That's she says we're done. She says we're done, but she keeps getting <laughs> offer uh, offers on his crib and she won't sell it. And I'm like, are we? No. He's home. He is too. Yeah, so you're getting right in that little baby fever again, you know. You better be careful, man. I know. That's what I. Uh, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. I'm a little worried about it. That's right. But uh, so, what do you think it was about you though that chose victory over defeat? I mean, you know, you you sit here and you say it like it was easy because clearly that was not easy. Everything you just thankfully shared with us, and I appreciate that. And very transparent, yeah. very vulnerable, but. But you had a path, right? And we talk about this all the time in our firm is you can choose victory, you can choose defeat. Why do you think you chose that? Uh, I think maybe foolish pride and stubbornness. I think um, realizing the situation and taking it all in. For me, I, I, uh, I used to sit there in my, ho- my hospital bed and I would close my eyes and hope and wish and pray this never happened. Um, but then it realized, and then you have to realize that when it dawns on you, it hits like a ton of bricks that you're never going to change what happened. I'm never going to go back in time and have my arms and legs. So instead of dwelling on the past, I, I realized I just should reminisce it. 25 years with arms and legs. I've had seven amazing years without, you know, uh, a couple of rough days for sure. sure. And then I also, I've always been upbeat and positive and happy guy. Um, and when you I got hit, I really, yeah, yeah. And that's like the biggest compliment I get. And sometimes uh, the biggest apology I have to give is some people will say, well, geez, you're the same guy that you were before. And depending if it's like a good friend of mine or if it's an old high school teacher, that's how I respond with, oh, hey, that's awesome. I appreciate you saying that. Or, oh, I'm real sorry. I, I didn't realize I was coming off that way. But, <laughs> yeah. But, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to change. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, that's like the biggest compliment I get because I, I am the same person. Um, What's a tough but, day like right now for you? You know, I don't, I don't have them. Uh, and it sounds dumb, but I don't see myself as handicapped as everybody else or anything like that. Like, I mean, thinking about the future, you'll drive yourself nuts. Like how am I going to teach my kid how to throw a spiral or how am I going to teach my daughter, you know, but at the same time, it'll all pan out. Right. I still get the enjoyment of being here. I I have so many friends that make it back home. 
um, to their, their spouses and their children that I, I think it's selfish if I ever gave up myself or dwelled on it for too long. And, and I realized the gift that I was given to still be alive by those doctors and their hard work. So my daughter, you know, does gymnastics and she did soccer and, um, and I, and I was there for it. Um, I run fortunately three successful businesses and a nonprofit is very successful. So in truth, it's, it's not, it's not a bad day. I mean, if I miss my flight connector because of weather or something, then I'm like, Oh, it sucks. Like that's, but I have like a normal bad day like everybody else. It's never like, Oh, I have no arms and legs because truth be told, I do everything I want. Right. Um, uh, today I, I woke up with my, my son in my, um, what are you doing? Sure. Come over here. Say hi. What, what, what are you Captain Marvel? Yeah. Get on the camera real quick. Captain, hey. Captain Marvel. How awesome is your dad? Not that awesome. Not that awesome. Not that awesome. Go home. Go home, Chloe. Beat it, kid. So, uh, no. You love me. That's that's nice of you to say off camera. Exactly. But, uh, so, um, no, I I, I, I get that a lot. And I I get why people ask me that. They think, like, maybe something bothers me or holds me back. But in truth, like, today I, I, I woke up. My son was in our bedroom. He got in our bed at like 145. So I woke up. He woke me up all smiles and happy. I get in my wheelchair and I go down and have coffee and, um, you know, took my shower, got my legs on. I know it sounds weird, but, you know, took my shower, got my legs on <laughs> and then went out to breakfast. My parents are in town. So I went to breakfast and then from breakfast, uh, I went and got a haircut. I had to go to AutoZone, get a car cover for my wife's Mustang for the winter. And I had to go to Lowe's and grab a plug. I mean, it's by myself, right? I had to go to Bed Bath & Beyond. Not sure if you have enough time, right? That's amazing. Yeah, never know. But I have a pretty normal, you know, like tonight, I'm dressing up as Iron Man and walking around the neighborhood, trick-or-treating. Yep. So I don't know if there's really a, a right answer to, like, what a bad day looks like because I think my bad day might look just like what your bad day. Like, you miss a flight and you're like, son of a – or uh, – you know, you get a phone call that a family member or friends passed away. Like that's, that's a bad day. But as far as limitations on me, I don't know. Right. I mean, yeah. I think cause you look at what you've gone through and, and there's the alternative, right? You could have not made it home, which would have been a heck of a lot worse to not be able to see a cute little baby girl. And now your baby boy and your wife yeah. and kids and all that stuff. But you know, but same thing. I had my, I have four boys. My, my fourth one, was in my room. So it must have been something going on in the air last night. Mine was in my bed with me last night, and I bet I got kicked in the rib cage 17 times, right? And I'm like, I wake up, and I'm like, ah, oh, that kind of stunk. Not yeah. a great night's sleep, but I think it's the perspective on what you put on that. Yeah, well, for me, I, I actually put a wall of a pillow up between me and him, and his, like me, he was next to his mom, yeah. and then he had his head on my, my wall pillow, but not on me, and his ribs were, my wife's ribs were getting kicked, and I was yeah. like, yeah, better her than that's me. where I messed up. I, I, I need to take I'll write that down that I need to make that. I've done the wall pillow or do the fake asleep, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, for me, with Chloe, she'd be in our bed and she'd be like sideways. And I was always trying to be delicate. And then finally, I was like, nope, no, I'm done with this. So I'd put my arm <laughs> under her like a spatula and I just flip her over. Like she'd be sideways and I'd flip her straight up and down in the bed. Yeah. And then she'd make a noise and I'm like, nope, you can go to your bed or you can lay up, lay the right way. Awesome. And, and I do that. I do that to Dax too. I don't got a temper, but I let him know this ain't gonna happen. But uh, talk to me about no, your life. I, it, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I I was gonna say I don't know if I'm finding the right words because I get the question a lot, like what's a bad day look like, or how do you you know? And I'm like, Oof. I don't really. I take every day like it's a normal day because yeah. um, I, I'm able to. I'm able to throw my legs on, throw my arm on, 
you know, walk out to my truck, drive with my feet, go get, you know, lunch or breakfast or whatever and run errands. Like I'd go, I paid for some work that I had done on my golf cart. You know, I just different, different things, you know, normal day, normal day. But, uh, and I know you said about my wife, my wife's phenomenal. She, uh, she's aggressive, you know, and she scares me. So that works. Uh, no, she's, uh, she's great. And we got married on a whim kind of, not on a whim, but we only knew each other for 17 days in person. Holy because, shit. yeah, yeah. So her brother is my medic overseas and she sent a MySpace friend request and I hit accept because I like to antagonize people yeah. and I knew it would make her brother mad. And she was 18 in college, and I was 20 in Afghanistan. We, we decided that our first trip to hang out with each other should be probably in Cozumel, Mexico. Wow. So I flew into Dallas to pick her up, and I, I was on um, the workout regimen of supplements from Germany, if you catch my drift. So I was six foot three, 275, 22-inch biceps, and she was 18 in college. And we went to Mexico for a week, back to Michigan. I went back overseas, and I came back, and we got married. That's awesome, man. And, and to think that then – Fast forward a few years after that, you tell her to take everything and leave because of what happened, and she stuck by your side. That's a big deal. Yeah, and now if, I, if she wanted to leave, I have a really good social media following, and I told her I'll tell everybody. So right. exactly, you know, that's the opposite. Now it's like, oh, you want to leave? Let me tell you what's going to happen. Exactly. You know, yeah. no, I'm kidding. And, and kind of kind of cool things like not a lot of dads can say that they actually learn how to walk with their child, but Chloe and me learn how to walk together. Like I was learning how to walk as she was. So wow. I have a little video of her holding my hand and us in the, the gym, the military advanced training center, me on my short legs and holding your hand and like helping her walk along. So Unbelievable. pretty exciting. And mentally yeah. you, you were always there. So let's go back to that day. So April, uh, April 10th, 2012. I mean, you were talking about you're still awake. Like, how, I mean, what was the mental side of that? Like, I mean, was, I mean, obviously excruciating pain, I would, um, I would assume, but maybe not. You know, not. Not really. The worst part, the only thing I heard, they had to put a sternum IV in me, which they took a big needle and drove it through my chest sternum area. I was like, oh, that hurts. Oh. I think I might call And I apologize oh, for yelling at him. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, I just decided that whatever happens, you know, whatever happens is not my choice. You know, I'm not, I'm not in control. And if I freak out, it's going to be worse. Because yep. um, I thought I was going to die anyway. And I was like, not that I was afraid of dying. I was just like, no way will I show any fear. Like, I was a guy first in a firefight, last out, never duck for cover, always leave from the front. People thought I was crazy in a, in a good way. Where I had two guys that were in my unit that were in a different um, unit, the last deployment. And they, they were always questioning how I got promoted because I was always happy and smiling. And a lot of the E6s are, like, real serious and yell a lot. And I was always joking around with them. And I had a way of telling people how to do things or what to do. And I'd, I'd like, hey, how about you go get this done, okay? And then and why don't you hurry up while you do it? Because right. if you don't, it's going to be awful. I'm just letting I'm letting you know. This is going to be terrible. Be good. And, like, that demeanor, I wasn't like, hey, go get this done now. Because if I yelled, I wanted it to mean something. But um, we went overseas, and these guys, they were nice, good guys, and they were team leaders, and, and uh, they respected me like they're supposed to my rank and everything, but they didn't understand how – goofy and, and fun and everything I was how I got promoted to the E6 in charge of weapon squad which was uh, the senior slot so there's the first sergeant platoon sergeant the weapon squad leader and then one first second and third so the third squad leader is usually the youngest guy um with less time in grade and the senior guys um the fourth squad well I was the senior guy you know being the youngest and everything and then our first firefight we got into um I left from the front those you know I I Left in front, I yelled when I had to get done. I told them where to go, what to do. They were screwing up. Actually, they weren't even my, the team leaders weren't even my squad. 
and they were messing up. And I said, Ackley, you've been here before. And I kicked them and, and uh, not kicked them hard. I mean, kicked their feet to get their attention because they were yeah, shooting yeah. back. At me. And I said, I said, guys, you've been here before. Knock it off. Conserve me. I'm going to do what you're supposed to do it and, and let's get it done. And um, we got back and we were getting ammo out, like drawing ammo out to restock our plant, or replenish our, our rifles and, and magazines and stuff. And they pulled me aside. They looked, Sergeant Mills, we got to be honest, we had no idea how you got the job you got with your attitude and your demeanor. Cause I was happy and smiling and, and, and fun and goofy. They said, but after today, I, we'll follow you to hell and back, you know, and that was a huge compliment. Not that I need their approval, right? The military, you don't need their approval, but sure. to earn their respect without, without trying to earn their respect or, or yearning for their respect or earning that, you know, like just doing your job, leading from the front. That means a lot coming, you know, from them to, to pull me aside. And they felt, they felt so strongly to tell me like, Hey, look straight up. Right. I'll be honest. Had no idea how you got promoted here. Um, we understand you're, you're a really nice guy, but that's the thing. You're just a nice guy. And we never see you yell or angry because I wasn't and, until one day, one of my soldiers messed up for like the third time. And I, I pulled up, I took him aside and said, I don't, I don't know why, why you want me to do this to you? Like, I don't like to yell. Um, and I started getting louder and I was echoing throughout the whole entire fob, which is like the size of three football fields. And, <laughs> and, and well, one of my buddies that was on my point before, he was walking with three other guys and they're like, who's that yelling? That's not, Oh my God. Who is that? And he goes, oh, that's Sergeant Mills. They're like, he yells? They're like, oh, yeah, there's nothing that you want to be a part of. I, I, told, I told the guy I was yelling at, I said, I'll blow out your eardrums. I might, I might have said, I'll, I'll yell so loud, I'll blow out your eardrums. I, I, was, I might have said some other choice words in there. Right. And right. I, come back, I come back down and said, but I don't want to do that. I don't like doing that. Right. And then, and then I, his team leader was a good friend of mine, but I made his team leader's life pretty miserable for the next three hours until the guy got off guard. And then it was pretty rough for that guy for the next couple of weeks. So what's been your biggest lesson through all this? Uh, there's two. Uh, the first thing that, that, I, that I said was to dwell on the past and reminisce. Like that was a big thing for me. Instead of hoping and wishing it would change, knowing it won't, but remembering how good life was before, as well as how good life has been since. And then uh, you can't always control your situation, but you can always control your attitude. You know, um, I can sit there and go, why me, poor me, pity me, but that does nothing. So no matter what situation I find myself in, you know, I spill coffee on myself. I drop something on the floor. I, you know, whatever Just Hey, attitude, it is what it is. Let's keep pushing forward. Let's have a smile. Let's, you know, and that's the thing. Like my kids, like my, my daughter, she doesn't, I don't yell at my kids. Right. I don't ever, I don't even yell at them to get my point across or anything like that, but they'll, they'll see, you know, me struggle in life. I'm sure with something, but they always see me like, all right, let's just get after it. Let's just do this. Oh my and gosh. Yeah, what, I mean. You know, and that's, what's important to me. So, the, the biggest takeaway for me is, is, is that it's, um, you know, just control your attitude because the situations are always going to, you know, come up, but you know, you create your own stress. That's why like for me, I keep wanting to start these businesses and stuff. And I'm like, man, I just keep creating more stress for myself and my hair's already falling out, unfortunately. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it just kind of is what it is. Right. Well, I think it's the, the, uh, so the first circuit of the circuit of success is attitude. And so you're absolutely nailing, one of my beliefs of it is your attitude, right? You can either be a victim yeah. or a victor. And, and man, you have, you literally are the definition of choosing victory over defeat. And it's, uh, it's very, very inspiring. And to your point with your kids, man, the, the lessons that they're learning that, that, that are going unspoken are off the charts, off the charts. Yeah. Well, you know, I appreciate that. I also asked my daughter the other night, I said, you ever get upset that I don't have arms and legs? She goes, you know, no. I don't. I'm like, really? She goes, no, I don't even know if I'd like with arms and legs. You're so much fun now. Right. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Appreciate that. I was, I was more fun with arms and legs. 
Yeah. Well, I uh, I can take my legs off and my arm off, and we wrestle around, and I can get a trampoline, and we I can do a backflip, and I can do a backflip off my my boat into the water as well. So I still got some cool tricks. So how often but, are you? Or if you're around the house like on a Saturday all day, not that that ever happens, but if it did, are you wearing your legs or not wearing your legs around the house? No, no. You know, and the thing is, it's like uh, it's like when you put your slippers on at home, or I imagine like taking high heels off for a lady. Yeah. When I get to peel my legs off for the day and put my wheelchair on, it feels pretty good. It That's does. And and the thing is, uh, I I do. If I'm going somewhere, I will have them on. But with my kids, playing with my kids is so much easier with my legs off. Okay. You know, so like mobile with, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I jump my wheelchair. I jump on the ground. I can wrestle with them. Take my arm off. You know. Um, but if we're going somewhere, I keep my legs on or like right now, like I have what they're called caps. So like my cap is on, you can kind of see. Oh yeah. Maybe. yeah. So it clicks into my legs. So I have to go, you know, right after this, um, I'm going to go put on my Halloween costume and click my legs back on. And then I'm going to go trick or treating, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah. so there's five people that have survived this. Is that right? Did I read that correctly? I did my research. Well, yeah, there's some guys that are triple pluses, like they have like two or three fingers or, you know, that still function. So there's quite a bit out there, but but there's five that are complete quadruple MTs, and two of them actually have arm transplants they've done. So they have double arm transplant. They have someone else's arms now. Is that right? Yeah, I don't think it's where it needs to be for me to ever consider it, um, the functionality of it. But these are what the guys wanted, and I hope it works for them, and I hope they like it. But I think I have more, I have more function for what my life is um, this way. So tell me about your book. You're the author of As Tough As They Come. Tell us about that, man. What's what's the point you're getting across yeah. to the reader? Well, I think it's just, it's just uh, if anybody's going through a rough time or if they want a good story, you know, it, it dates back to when I was, you know, born and, and what I did in high school. And it gives more in-depth about who I was. Yep. Um, and then basically the injury and, and what I had to mentally, you know, refocus my life on and, and recalibrate myself and push forward. And I think it just tells a, tells a positive, you know, uplifting story where, you know, something awful and horrific happened, but there was a light in the tunnel and, and you can keep pushing forward to get, get your life on track again. So a lot of people use it for, for that kind of thing. I also, the author's note, you know, I tell people two really important keys is I didn't fight harder, serve anymore. Nothing was more heroic or brave about me in the military than anybody else that served. So if you did serve, thank you. And also, I don't think my problems are any worse than anybody else's. And I think people always... You know, look, I've had some people walk up like, I thought I was having a bad hair day, but now I saw you. I guess it's not so bad. And I'm like, I don't think that that Thanks for that. Like, yeah, I'm like, I don't think that's okay. Like, that was dumb. You know, and I, I try to have those conversations where I get angry. I don't get angry, but I'm like, really? Yeah. Did you just say, you know? But, um, but you know, I tell people what our problems, you know, hey, we all got something we're going through and or loved ones. So I always tell people, hey, check my website out. Check out my Facebook. You know, the, the SSG, Travis Mills on Facebook's um page it's a lot of fun we do a lot of fun videos my wife and i my, well, not my wife so much but my kids and me um and you know and stuff like that because it's uplifting and and we never know like you probably have someone you know right now going through cancer or a bad accident you know there's always someone that has something and i tell them check my stuff out because i don't do it for my own publicity but it's it's uplifting and fun for people if they if they really you know take time to you know need a good positive story to keep pushing forward I mean, I keep saying, man, the, the definition of victory versus defeat right here. So, and you also got the, uh, the, the, your, uh, documentary, right? Yep. Yep. It was on Netflix, but it got taken off. It might be on 
another news outlet. Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime, I think. Yep, it's on Amazon Prime now. 2014 GI Film Festival Award winner. Um, has my medic, my both my medics, my brother-in-law, the guys got hurt with me, my parents, my wife, in-laws, football coach. Yeah. You know, I had a football coach from high school in there. And it has all those people um, came together, and, and we, it, it was pretty cool. It took first place in the GI Film Festival out of um, 55 short films in 2014. And um, I don't know, people really enjoy it. Obviously, the first half hour is kind of sad. You're like, geez, is this going to get better? And then you realize, like, oh, good, it is. Yeah, he's good. Right, this is good. He's yeah. good. He's good. Uh, where do yeah. our listeners find more Travis Mills, man? Where can we find you? I know you, you mentioned your website there and Facebook and all that, but tell us a little bit more about it. Absolutely. TravisMills.org for your Travis Mills needs. Um, also, TravisMillsFoundation.org is a good one. And then, you know, the SSG Travis Mills on Instagram and Facebook. But, yeah, I appreciate it. We have a podcast, too, but I got to end refocus and recenter it. So, next couple of weeks, it should be coming back out with some brand new content and things like that. But, but yeah, I just I appreciate your time and taking the time oh, to let me share my story. I think uh, you nailed it. Attitude's everything um, and what you do. So, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I didn't dress nicer. I should have. I should have been with my legs out there, my wheelchair. You were absolutely perfect. Got a couple more questions. One is uh, this is not a political question because I can't stand when people take political stuff, no matter what we talk about. And today, not you. I'm just saying that about just in general. Um, you get to go to the White House. Tell us about yeah. that experience, man. What was that like? Well, it's pretty cool. I met. Um, I went to Walter Reed for um, a conference there, putting on the one movie, like one of the bilateral. Uh, or I, I can't, I was there for arms. Like they wanted a double amputee expert arms thing or something for these doctors. So they asked me to come. I said, yeah. So I went and while I was there, one of the guys sets events up said, Hey, vice president Pence is coming in. Would you like to meet him tomorrow? I said, yeah, absolutely. So I met vice president Pence and he told me if you want to come to the white house next time you're in town, give us a little bit of heads up. We'll come bring you in. I said, yeah, perfect. So I, I called his people and they invited me there. He gave me a tour of the white house. Wow. Um, with the West wing. And then um, we went into the Oval Office, and President Trump was there. So I got to meet President Trump, shake his hand. I uh, had a real serious, like, candid conversation. He asked me a question. He, I, said, what, I said, what response do you want? Do you want the, the one you hear all the time or the real one? He goes, a real one. So I gave him that, and uh, he, he liked that. And I don't know that I left. And then when my son was born, the, the vice president knew, and he called my wife's phone and left a voicemail. Unbelievable. He was like, hey, congratulations on having Dax. He's going to be – you know, champion or I can't remember, but it got the voice from my wife's phone. So that's pretty cool. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't get into politics either. I, th I think uh, everybody can have their own views. I've been asked to run for office, um, numerous times actually recently, and I've had to turn them down. Yeah. And I have to run for office. Eventually I might. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, my, when, my, when my kids are older right, right now, it's not the right time. They want me to run for Congress right now, but I don't, I don't have the, I don't have the time to put into it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, thanks so much, Travis, for being with us today on the Circuit of Success, man. Your story is inspiring. And again, you've chosen victory over defeat. And I hope our listeners get that because, man, this could have gone a totally different path. And you are changing the lives of so many people. And uh, it's just amazing what you're doing. So very thankful for you. Very thankful for you serving our country. And very thankful for you to be on our show today. Absolutely. Glad we made this work out finally. Thanks much. Have a great Halloween. And have All right, man. You too. Today. What's your favorite candy? What are you going to get tonight? Favorite candy? All of them, and uh, I'm gonna get whatever my daughter leaves out when she goes to bed. We, uh, we actually, tried to, you know, we tried to do that Jimmy Kimmel. I ate your candy, um, <laughs> but I just I, I'm such a softy. I'm like, no, we didn't, Chloe. Mommy's lying. Mommy's lying. Right. We didn't do right. it. We didn't do it. I, some of those parents are jerks, but then some yeah. of the kids, I'm like, wow, you let your kid say that? Like, how, why does your kid use that? 
language. Right. Like my daughter's like, no. And I'm like, I'm just kidding. Like, not now. Now I would do it because it's fun date. But when she was like four, I was like, Kelsey, why are you doing this poor little kid? Leave her alone. That's awesome. But anyway, I gotta go. I gotta go shoot up. See you, buddy. See ya. Take care. Thanks a lot. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.